0: This is the Dose of Support podcast. Here, the interdisciplinary team in healthcare matters, and we share stories and self-care every Wednesday. Let's break down barriers between professions. I'm Dr. Vanessa Casper, a nurse practitioner, and I'm your host. Are you ready for a Dose of Support? Dose of Support, the host and guests are not affiliated or representing an employer or organization. Remember... I'm not your healthcare provider, and my guests are not here to provide healthcare advice either. But do seek out care from your own healthcare professional and remember to protect privacy and follow HIPAA. It's hard out there, so let's find some self care in healthcare. Stay tuned. Let's huddle up for another dose of support. Welcome back to the show, you guys. Guess what? This week is my birthday. I am turning 35 and hoping to age gracefully and for those of you that know me you know that I have this silver fox hair long silver hair mixed with some brown and I've really had silvers and grays since I was a teenager Um, and I'm gonna keep it that way as long as I can but I may or may not look into some birthday Botox so if you are listening send your recommendations my way I am looking for an injector. And I've never had anything like that done before. So I'm totally open to ideas and opinions. Um, (laughs) And I know that that's a very superficial thing. Some people really don't agree with that. But I'm going to age my way. And I'm just really happy at 35. And I think it's a great time in my life. And I, I know that there's so many feelings that especially women have around that um but I'm really happy where I'm at and I hope you are too so send your recommendations my way um this week we are literally going down under to interview an Australian occupational therapist and I I really want to just express some gratitude um, for all of you listening because it's it, this show being able to create dose of support really is a blessing. Um, it has led me to virtually meet so many new people and really open my heart and my mind to so many people and it's just been such a fun journey and it, without you listening each week, it wouldn't be possible, so I really appreciate you being here, and I hope you enjoy the Tales of Occupational Therapy from Brock Cook. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Dose of Support. He holds a bachelor's degree in occupational therapy and has years of experience working in mental health. He hosts Occupied, the podcast about OT work and experience. Is that the right thing? Is is that how I should say that?
1: Yeah, that's fine. Okay,
0: here to tell a story today, from down under, is OT Brock Cook. Welcome, Brock.
1: Good day, good day. How are you?
0: So when I think of the name Brock, I think of Pokemon. I, um,
1: I yeah, I've heard that. I never. Are you a nineties kid? Like, are you? I am- I am. Okay. But I think I was just. I think I was sort of just before Pokemon, kind of. Really. Okay, oh. so
0: like, and in Australia was Pokemon a big thing because it was like huge oh, yeah. in America. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, yeah, because like when I when I when I learned your name because we connected on Instagram and then I when I learned who you were I was like Brock like Pokemon so <laughs> any of the I listeners have, out there
1: definitely I don't the even reference. know.
0: I don't know why that it connects to me like that. So you are an OT working in Australia. Where in Australia are you located?
1: Uh, I'm in a place called Townsville, which is kind of on the East Coast, about halfway up the pointy bit.
0: Halfway up the pointy bit. If you know bit. what Australia looks like. Well, okay. So that pointy bit. Okay. Yeah. Um. All right. So you worked in mental health for a long time, and now mm-hmm. you're working in academia teaching little OTs, baby OTs. Um, And I think we should give some perspective for listeners. A lot of my listeners are American. And so the healthcare system in Australia in general, um, what's the structure? Can you just say a little bit about that?
1: Uh, Yeah. So we have, uh, I think comparing it, it's probably more similar to Canada's uh, in that we have that sort of universal healthcare, um, free healthcare for everyone. We do still have private healthcare as well, which is kind of what your whole model is like. Um, yes. but everyone is covered by this sort of universal healthcare model, um, by default. So yeah, the, my, okay. my experience is in the public system. So in that, uh, free healthcare for all type service.
0: Okay. And so in Australia, we, we talked about this offline, but, um, in Australia, almost all OTs, have a bachelor's degree is that right
1: it's bachelor entry yeah yep so they're just sort of moving now towards uh i guess increasing it slightly i think a lot of courses are moving now to offering essentially honors only so you have to do honors uh but yeah the for registration and everything it's still bachelor entry
0: Interesting. Okay, so I have more questions. Take me back to when Brock was like little teenager Brock, <laughs> um, <laughs> in high school. Jeez. Were you like, I'm going to be an OT? Like, did you oh, know? Oh God, no.
1: I had no idea what it okay. was back then.
0: What happened? Back How did then, you get? Back weird?
1: then I was. What was I going to be back then? I was going to be an engineer back then. So about as far from OT as I possibly could. <laughs> Um, okay, I so you like, I didn't get into OT. college and. Yeah, yeah, I didn't find OT until after I was at, at university. So I started doing engineering at university. Uh hated it. It was way too much math, and I was looking for an alternative, and I was living on, or well, we call it college, you'd call it, what do you guys call it? Uh, it's like on campus accommodation. It's like a. Oh, okay. Kind okay. Of like, a like dorm frat rooms. Or a dorm or whatever you guys call it. Yeah. Okay. Um, I was living living on campus at the time, and I uh, found a mate who was uh, studying OT. He was playing with a sock puppet at the time when I found him, and Um, that seemed a little bit strange. Yeah, exactly, and that's why that's (laughs) the conversation started that happened. And he was telling me about how he'd made it in class, and I was like, "What the hell are you studying?" Uh, And he explained it (laughs) to me as best he could. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> explained it to me as best he could and it sounded pretty interesting so I did a bit more research into it and realized that you know it's not all about making sock puppets but uh it sounded pretty interesting so I thought oh yeah I could I could see myself doing that
0: and what's the training like in Australia cuz here I and I'm not an OT the listeners mm. know but uh, here uh, sometimes it's an undergraduate degree so a bachelor's degree in like kinesiology or physical science like that and yeah. then people go on to a master's and it's just OT focused. Um, So it's really different. So what is your training like there?
1: It'll differ depending on the university that you're at. The majority of universities that offer OT, it is just a straight bachelor of OT. So it's four years of straight OT. Um, There are some master's entry. So for people that have already got an undergrad and want to sort of go back and do OT, mm-hmm. there are a few universities that do offer like a two-year master's entry similar to like the format that you guys have over there. Um, but mm-hmm. you don't need that for registration. So for our registration, it's it's bachelor's minimum. So, yeah, majority okay, of courses so when you are, say, are bachelor's.
0: When you say registration, is that like you take a board exam and get licensed? How does that work?
1: So we don't have a board exam. Uh, you your quali- finishing your course is the qualification and then you just need to uh, apply to a registration board with proof of graduation essentially. Uh, okay. Pay your little fee for the year and, yeah, get your membership card and then you renew it each year. They also keep track to make sure because we have CPD requirements, so professional mm-hmm. development requirements unfortunately when it does happen when people sort of have disciplinary action and stuff like that they it, it can affect their registration they obviously take care of that as well
0: that's like my nightmare is like yeah. the board coming for me and saying like you didn't finish like we're we're gonna audit you and me having to like scramble to f- like i'm an organized person but like no like I don't want that to happen.
1: I think that's no. everyone's nightmare. But just stand okay, it, it doesn't take that much effort.
0: It sounds like to me, like just thinking, uh, I'm thinking like OTs in Australia have a lot less red tape mm-hmm. to get through than they do here. <laughs> like, like not not less training, but less bullshit
1: like yeah it it seems I and mean, obviously i've never worked in america or anything so i don't know the extent of it but i know a lot of americans i talk to a lot of well talking to you now i talk to a lot through the podcast as well it to my perspective is it does definitely seem that way because one of the other benefits mm. we've got here is we've got national registration whereas over there your registration over in the states is state so if you state, move state yep. You got to get a different registration, whereas we, I can mm-hmm. work anywhere in the country on the same registration. I don't have to worry about paperwork. They and just,
0: they just take my money. They just take the money. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, in Australia, you started in. Did you start in mental health, or did you just eventually get to that area?
1: No, no. I started. I've been there since okay. day day one.
0: <laughs> so, what was a day in the life as an OT occupational therapist? working in mental health, what what were like the tasks that you do, your scope of practice, that type of thing?
1: Uh, so, again, it depends which setting you're in. So when I first started, I was working in a team that was partly on an acute mental health unit and partly uh, working with mental health clients in the community. Um, so for the 50% that I was on the ward, uh, a lot of it was uh, – trying to find ways to assess people's function while giving them something to actually do on the ward because the wards are sterile, boring ass environments, especially if, you know, it's your first time there and you don't know anyone or you don't know any of the mm-hmm. staff or anything, it can be a really sterile environment. Um, so, you know, trying to give people activities, provide them things that they can do, which would also have the sort of side benefit of, us being able to observe them um do things that they're going to need to do when they're at home like you know we used to run cooking groups and that kind of stuff so that I could see if people were safe around heating elements and electricity and that kind of stuff so that I could see them follow steps and their sequencing and all of that kind of stuff um we used to run a lot of leisure groups so I could see their movement so I could see if they could transfer so I could see how their balance was, all of that sort of stuff. So it was kind of this balancing act of trying to come up with activities that seem on the surface like they're gonna be fun, but really they kind of serve a clinical purpose as well. Um did
0: you work with mostly adults or children?
1: No. So the wards I've always worked in adult mental health so uh, I think the youngest person I worked with was 18. So it's always been 18 to infinity, 18 and above pretty much. Um, <laughs> the, uh, there are specialist team, not specialist, but there are separate teams that generally work with youth and then uh, even more separate teams that work with, with children uh, as well here. Uh, I don't know what the breakdown is, how it's how it's separated out in the States, but here it's usually by age. Um, Hmm. and I, I, it's not that I never had an interest in working with those populations. It's just that I sort of, I'm the kind of person that once I start something, I want to master it before I do something else. And I Mm -hmm. was, it's kind of like that, uh, lifelong learning thing. I never really sort of went, yeah, I've mastered this population. I'm going to move on to the next one. So I kind of just stayed until I felt like I was you know, getting better and better and better. And obviously that was never going to. I was never going to feel like I was going to master it. But.
0: And so I've also always focused on adult care. So interesting that – so these were all inpatient wards that you were on.
1: Uh, for that, like, my first job it was. I've, I've worked pretty much in almost every area um, throughout my career, but I've worked on a couple of different wards. But my first job was on a ward, yeah.
0: Okay. And like a ward is similar to like – a inpatient unit in a hospital here in America. So I think like the terminology it's a, it's the same thing. It's just yeah, different. Yeah. So yeah. It,
1: here they're it's used interchangeable Sometimes it'll be a mental health unit, it'll be a mental health ward. Um okay. different places call them different things. I think usually the official name is unit, but um So
0: it sounds like the yeah. scope of practice is very similar. You're helping people um by evaluating their activities of daily living how they get on with their ability to care for themselves and perform activities that they would that they would need to at home um and in the mental health population that's probably harder when someone is in a catatonic state or having having some kind of manic episode or you know like so can you speak to that a little bit? How did you care for someone while they're in a mental a bad mental health place?
1: Yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, I think it's one of those things where your perspective changes on that kind of stuff when you're kind of in it. Uh I can definitely a hundred percent see how it would seem like it's super difficult to do it, but I, I and I and I can't speak to whether or not it's uh, how o t is structured that makes it seem a bit easier, or whether it's just my perspective from working in mental health, but I think from an o t perspective I just sort of a bit of a background um like our whole role as a profession is to support people doing the things that they want and need to do, so when we're looking at what we would call as occupations um those occupations are things that occupy people's time, so That's why we can look at things, everything from ADLs to, you know, in some cases, employment to family relationships to, you know, driving a car. That's why OT is so broad, because we're looking at everything that people do that occupies their time. Um, And the basic concept behind pretty much the whole profession is that by engaging in those things that are meaningful for that person, it can have a positive impact or it can have an impact on that person's health. So... In mental health, and there's that, that same theory carries across all practice areas, but in mental health, those the basic concept is that by engaging people in the meaningful and purposeful things that they would want to occupy their time, we can have a positive impact on their mental health. So, and the same thing, like if you're in geriatrics, it'd be the same thing. If you're in pediatrics, it's the same thing. It's obviously just the types of occupations are different for pediatrics because, you know, kids' main occupation is play. So that's the kinds mm-hmm. of things that they engage in whereas working in adults I always found it to be the broadest because you've got everything so the things that uh you know an 18 year old might do it's going to be different to a 35 year old it's going to be different to a 60 year old so I just found that adults offered me the most I I can't, I get bored easily uh so <laughs> I think adults offered me the, the the broadest scope uh that I could actually sink my teeth into on in terms of actually how you we do that, the the processes tend to be fairly similar. So I think one of the the things that I always tried to do with my mental health clients was uh I, I tried not to treat them any differently than I would anyone else. So uh for example the example I use a lot with my students actually is if we're setting a goal with someone, this is what we're gonna work on. It honestly doesn't actually matter what that goal is. Because the benefit actually comes from the journey in attaining that goal, not from actually getting there. So,
0: I think those are like words for us all to live by. <laughs> <laughs> like we all need to apply that to everything.
1: It would be helpful. Am-
0: oh my god! Yeah. Okay, I have I have questions. I have wow. lots of questions. But um, first, I want to know what do you think of Donald Trump?
1: <laughs> uh, I'm random. I'm very thankful that I live in Australia.
0: Tell me, what do Australians, like, what is the general, <laughs> like, you, you must now speak for all of Australia. I don't um, know if game. <laughs> um. So, like, how are we seen abroad? In, I mean, America's a shit show. At least that is my perspective that it's a shit show. And everyone calls me a, a snowflake, right? Because I, you know, but for an outsider perspective might be good for some of our listeners. So what do you
1: uh put me on the spot uh he's probably not my favorite person but again i it's not having a huge impact on me so i try not to worry about things that aren't sort of directly stressing me too much because i get caught up in that stuff quite easily uh i think probably from my perspective i'm not speaking for the whole of australia but from my perspective i think the confusion is why you voted him in in the first place but i guess you'll we'll see what happens when your next election rolls around see how that keeps It's just
0: up. funny cuz like you you say like we voted him in and like the majority of Americans didn't vote him in and I digress I just thought it would be good like to you know your country's not doing so bad right so like coronavirus response is it okay
1: Uh it's not too bad there's a couple of states or well, one state in particular that uh when they reopened things uh things went a bit pear-shaped so they've locked down again for a second wave but the rest of the countries where i am is fine i'm going about my business as per usual nothing really are different.
0: you guys masking in public
1: uh that one state that was locked down is but that's the only okay. one that's mandatory for masks because There's like
0: a- all of america is masking in public um yeah and we're clo- we're ge- we're climbing to two hundred thousand people dead Uh, dead
1: not really coping with this very well
0: um yeah we've had a horrible horrible response and people are downplaying it and it's just anyway and so it's it's good to hear that you guys are doing well and i i hope it stays that way for you and please make a vaccine thanks send the (sighs) vaccines this way um okay so i don't watch i don't think any australian tv i've watched one thing on netflix Oh, what, what is it? It's I'll be embarrassed oh by this. no, no, no! It's it's like a TV show, and it follows. Okay, I'm gonna Google it. But my question for you mm. is: Do you see OTs represented in the media where you are?
1: No, never.
0: Okay, well that was easy. What about mental health care?
1: Uh, I think that historically the representation of mental health in mass media, Hollywood movies, TV shows, and that, is probably one of the biggest issues in mental health in terms of the vast majority of the stigma that the, the general society has is from these sort of depictions. So right. in general, most people form a perspective based on the relationship they have with the concept. So if I have a bad experience at a store forever there after my thought process is going to be oh that store sucks uh if people have a, a scary relationship with a concept such as mental health based on you know let's say a movie like shutter island or movies the depiction uh which is often very very incorrect the depiction of mental health uh, in cinema in t v and that 's their only relationship with that concept then that 's going to be what their perspective is um, there's there's research around there that and backed up by some of the clients that i 've worked with that have said that quite often the stigma associated with mental health is is worse than the actual condition itself have um, you
0: seen um oh, have you seen homeland with claire Danes
1: no Oh no, I know, I know should, of it, but I haven't watched
0: it. Like it's good, you should watch it. Okay. Oh, and the show that I the show that I wanted to bring up was Offspring. I watched oh, yes. a little bit of Offspring.
1: Well, that's um,
0: well, and it's cute, but I just like had it on one night, and I was like, you know, and she she's obviously working in healthcare, so it was that's what interested me, and that's why I clicked on it. But
1: yeah, I think other memory, than that,
0: I really lot haven't lot. seen any Australian TV to know how you guys are depicted in the media. Um and uh, I think mental health in general is way misrepresented in all media forms as well. So um but a good a good representation I think is in Homeland and it's funny that you say the Joker. Oh but- it's
1: definitely it's definitely <laughs> a very extreme example. My my perspective yeah. on it is the influence that the outside environment, so that guy's social environment and all that that has on his mm-hmm. mental health is mm-hmm. ridiculously accurate. Obviously, it's yeah. it's quite extreme towards the end, but yeah. the, just the impact of how his mental state interacts with his environment and that kind of stuff is really, yeah. really good. Not good, but accurate.
0: <laughs> it's so good. I felt um, sorry okay. for him. <laughs> I felt my,
1: my clinical hat come on like halfway through the movie
0: yeah i've been there man i've been watching something and i've and i've thought that same thing like oh i watch things sometimes and i'm like diagnosing people and i i do that at the grocery store too um it's a problem i don't know anyway so brock let's take a break and when we come back we will hear a story from your practice and we'll talk a little bit of uh, about some self-care all right so stay tuned Welcome back to Dose of Support. Today we have Brock Cook from Down Under. I'm just going to keep saying that. Um, He's an occupational therapist (laughs) from Australia joining us today. And I have a couple Patreon questions for you, Brock, or comments, I should say. So um, one of my Patreons was wondering if you could speak to what inpatient units are doing with OTs for COVID. So are OTs right now going like are they going from a COVID unit to a non-COVID unit or are they not floating like that? Or do you know anything about the specifics with that?
1: Uh, I don't. I'm assuming you mean in Australia because I'm not sure what's yes. going on in the yes. States with regards to that. Um, Again, as, it's a shit show. Well, <laughs> as far as I know, it's kind of business as usual. Um, okay. There are separate wards set up in most hospitals for covid patients i the, the one where i live we have uh, next to no cases at the moment and it's everything's kind of opened up and there's some restrictions on like large gatherings like sporting games and stuff but that's about it at the moment so i don't even know if there's anyone in our covid unit on the in, in the hospital at, the, at present um in terms of the ots and mental health like the ot in the hospital here is based on that ward anyway Um, So it'd be business as usual for them. They'd just be going to work on that ward every day. Uh, If there was a COVID case that came through that unit, it would be a matter of contact tracing and that person would be transferred to the COVID unit um, in the main part of the hospital because the acute unit is across the road. Well, it's like on the same campus, but it's a separate building.
0: It's awesome that you're doing really well with cases then. Like you guys are keeping COVID at bay
1: I think they kind of jumped on it early enough.
0: So then my my other Patreon just wanted to say that um, to all the OTs listening in Australia, in America, anywhere, she said her mother received amazing care from an OT and that the work that you guys do means so much it was so important and she literally just wanted to say thank you to all the ot's out there and she knew i was having you on and i said he's working in australia do you have any questions and she said i just want to say thank you like this is what happened <laughs> and and i thought that was so sweet so you guys really yeah, make lovely. a difference and um it's good to hear that i think we don't hear that enough at in in healthcare period i think people say thank you yeah. but until until you really like step back and can hear it i think sometimes people are so burnt out they can't even absorb a compliment or absorb a a, a nice gesture or whatever so um so let's talk about your story so let's uh, so get into it
1: okay um so obviously your, your podcast and everything's all about self-care uh there was a period of time where i probably wasn't really good at it uh i went through a a, a, a period of just being completely burned out which led to depression um which led to me going i don't even know if i want to work in this this job anymore this was when i when i first came out of you know i've always been someone that's like if i'm gonna do something i'm gonna do it a thousand percent and that's it it's going to be my focus in a way I've kind of got an addictive personality where once I set my mind to something that's it I can that's all I can think about and that sort of happened with OT as well Uh, I came out of university started working and went dude I'm gonna you know take over this profession not take over but I'm gonna like do something massive (laughs) so it's always doing different projects and that sort of stuff
0: You said yes to everything. Okay, so boundaries were maybe an issue for you? Boundaries weren't an issue.
1: They weren't non-existent. (laughs) There was no such thing. (laughs) Okay. Um, Okay. So, yeah, they weren't an issue because they weren't even on the table. I said yes to everything and then still came up with some more of my own ideas to throw on top of it. Uh, One thing I do regret is, like you just said, probably more trying to balance it and pace it out. So the other thing to do with my personality is, if I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna do it now. I'm gonna do it my way, and like that's it. It's gun ho. So
0: probably took on too much, and it's just a spiral. Pretty
1: much, it, I I probably wasn't feeling necessarily anxious, but I'm definitely a control freak with projects that I'm taking on. It's my project. It's my vision. It's my way of doing things, and I have usually because I'm such a planner, and I organize things out uh, I won't even take the first step until I know exactly what the whole project's going to look like and by that stage I then have this vision in my head of what it's going to turn into uh, and that's it like that's the goal that's where I'm aiming and that's nothing's going to sort of change me change my mind so uh, especially to begin with I, I was and this is something that I'm still working on and probably will be for a very long time a, a very concrete thinker and any sort of deviation from that vision, like I was just saying, that that mm-hmm. that image that I saw in my my head about whatever the project was going to be just brought everything to a screeching halt every time. And then I'd have to sort of manage that, deal with it, get back on track and then get started again. So I wasn't super resilient at dealing with change, uh, which I, I ah. mean, it's, it probably is a guy thing. It probably is a me thing. It could be anything um but that that's something that it took me years to even recognize that that was an issue uh and it's now something which is ironic because it's something that I work with my clients on extensively for years uh and yeah. never never recognized it in myself which was when you do realize it you're like oh you're such an idiot like this <laughs> has been staring you in the face for years and you never even Picked up on it. So but, you're
0: you're really hard on yourself and you have really oh yeah. high expectations. Mm-hmm. And so do you remember a specific moment, a specific day or what you were doing at work where you were like, this is it. I am done. I'm burnt out. Like, I can't. Like, do you remember that?
1: I, we had a, a change of management and it was it, the, the new management style was very micromanaging. And obviously with my personality, I don't deal well with being told what to do. Uh, I like to, <laughs> I I would prefer someone that hires me for my skill set, but then trust me to put my skill set into play. I knew that I wasn't enjoying that in the, the workplace that I was in at the time. Uh, and it I put up with it, I put up with it, I put, tried a whole range of different things, including meeting with the management and sort of trying to Negotiate this this new way of working, etc. And eventually, it just got to a point where I was taking ample sick days. I didn't want to go to work. I hated it, um, which was Aww. very very strange for me because I love what I do and I love my clients. Even then, I still loved my clients. I just couldn't face. Like it became so hard to even get out of bed in the morning because I'm like, I don't want to do this again. Um, yeah, so and I- that
0: definitely sounds like depression
1: well it's almost like like i already like you said i have high expectations for myself i know what i'm capable of and i i in pretty much all things that i do it's quality over quantity like so i already have this pressure on that i'm putting on myself which is okay i can manage that because i know how i operate and that sort of thing but then i've got this almost competing pressure after a while yeah i can tolerate that for a period of time but after a while it wears thin and yeah it did uh end up presenting itself as depression uh in the end uh Mm -hmm. which again is one of those things because it happened so gradually i didn't pick it up until it was sort of like uh it was almost like a light i can remember the light bulb moment going oh that's what this is. That's why, for the last like 18 months, you felt like shit and you haven't wanted to get wow. out of bed. And
0: that long, you lasted that long.
1: I think it was, it was probably slightly less than that, but it was.
0: That's a lot of suffering.
1: Yeah. It wasn't a pleasant time. <laughs> it oh. wasn't fun, but it wasn't like, it wasn't sort of rock bottom the whole time. It was this sort of gradual right. decline uh, until right. I realized. And then as soon as I realized, it was almost. Immediately, like at least some of that weight had been lifted because at least then I knew, even for well, actually, probably for the next 24 hours, there was this massive feeling of guilt because I'm like, You've worked in mental health for how long and you didn't see this coming? <laughs> uh, but after that, it was like, Okay, so now I know what this is, I know what I can do, I know what to do. I've like, That's probably the one good thing about working in mental health for so long before that was like, What would I do with a client? That was like if this was if i was working with me as an external person (laughs) what would i do um at the time my sort of burnout my depression presented with this sort of feeling of numbness so i wasn't feeling any emotion at all uh and except for one thing which at the time was my my powerlifting training that was the only time i felt good bad anything like just actually feeling something so my initial reaction um was to well okay well if that's what is currently making me feel anything then i'm gonna do more of it or i'm gonna put more effort into that which then helped me like that float over into my coaching because i'm also a nationally accredited powerlifting coach so that that same improvement then flowed over into my coaching so I did more of that which then flowed over into other things and other things so it was a matter of sort of breaking everything down breaking my occupations down with my OT hat on and going like okay so this this particular occupation is currently serving you really well it's got meaning it's got purpose you're enjoying it you're actually feeling things in life so let's do more of that even in the short term like obviously the amount that I was training at that point in time probably wasn't healthy. (laughs) Um,
0: That's like, it's really good self-awareness. That's really good self-awareness that you could like step back and look at your life in like, like it was spread out on a table and say what was good and what was not working for you. And it sounds like you weren't too far gone (laughs) that, that you could still function and, and well, take control I, of what you were going through.
1: Yeah, I think I think I was still fairly gone. I just feel like it was my oh. experience that, uh, like my work experience, that had sort of given me some sort of like I, I was able to develop insight into it a lot faster than I think some people are who haven't wow. had that exposure to things like depression and that kind of stuff. So
0: culturally, in in Australia, is mental health talked about is it you're freely openly talking about this like it's not yeah. a big deal for you and I'm wondering is that because you were raised that way and that's how the culture is there in Australia?
1: Uh, I don't well so when I was raised it probably wasn't there was a period of time where I probably never well, there, even after I, I sort of worked it out myself there was a period of time where I never spoke about it. Um, wow. I had one one really close friend who helped me through that. She was the one that helped me sort of recognize that it was there in the first place. So I would talk wow. to her fairly regularly about it, um, but that was about it. And it wasn't really until two years ago. I think the first time I talked about it was on the podcast, on my podcast. Um, wow. And it just sort of got to the point where, like, I was far enough away from it that I'm like, what's the worst that's going to happen? And... The best that's going to happen is someone else might hear it, and someone else might, you know, realize that they can support themselves or get out of the whatever situation they're in or something. So,
0: so segue then, mm-hmm. like you're in this, the mm-hmm. culture may or may not support it. You mm-hmm. had to come up with ways to heal, to grow. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk self care. What did you do to help yourself at that time, and what do you do to maintain now?
1: What didn't I do? Uh, oh, I oh my. tried uh, a bit of everything. So I knew that I needed some way to regulate emotions. I knew I needed some way to process stress. I knew I needed some more things in my life that just felt good, uh, that were just fun. I took, the first thing I did, uh, it was kind of sort of before it all fell apart was I started taking a back seat to, I had a lot of OT type projects on the go. I have one of the best, pieces of advice that I got, and it was from my friend that was was helping me through it was it 's gonna go against my nature, but I need to be selfish for a bit um so I did and it it felt really shitty to start with because it is like you know i can 't do that for you i can 't help you i can 't listen to your problems, and i can 't help you with your problems right now because right now i 'm trying to sort myself out and it 's kind of like that aeroplane analogy where i got I had to put my own mask on before I could help anyone else. So the first thing I did was I sort of stepped back from all of that so that I created enough space for me to be able to um, start looking at things myself.
0: I'm guessing like you had some extra time on your hands then, so you could do other things to take care of yourself.
1: Exactly. And because I didn't really know, there's no prescriptive like, if you need this, then you can do that. Like I needed to try these things to work out what was going to stick. Um, mm-hmm. so I tried, you know, I mean, I, I still had my powerlifting training that was still going fine. That was fine. So I kept that. Um, I, I tried meditation. I tried journaling. I tried, uh, I got back into camping, which was something I used to do when I was younger. Um, that was something that obviously stuck cause I still do that now. Uh, I try, you name it. I probably tried it.
0: Um, but I I have had other guests bring up journaling. A lot of people do great with it. I actually don't do well with it. So I, tell me tell me what you did.
1: I found that it it was good for a very specific purpose. So for me, it's good. It wasn't good at that time, but since then, I found that it's very good for like acute emotional situations. So things like you know, when you would normally ring someone like talk things through. I found that Mm -hmm. journaling, even just me, like I did it the other day, actually, just typing something out on my phone while I was in that state, I was angry at that time, Um, but any sort of heightened emotional state, I found it helped me moderate that, regulate that in the acute moment. But I think for me anyway, doing it as sort of a regular practice didn't really do anything for me.
0: Okay. All right. So camping was really good. Powerlifting was really good every once in a while writing things out was helpful um what else
1: started I I needed more hobbies (laughs) aside from work (laughs) Uh, I reconnected with some old friends my big things were like I needed to get outside more because that was just something I didn't really know why I just had this inkling that I just I needed to get outside more So I needed to feel the sun. I needed to be in nature, which is where the camping thing was. I started going for walks and that sort of stuff. Um, Since then, I've also started uh, or sort of reignited my passion for photography, which again is fitting to the two needs. Uh, One, which I probably should have backtracked and got around to. One of the other things that I realized I wanted to do was be more creative, uh, which is where the podcast came from. So the podcast was born. The podcast was essentially part of a coping mechanism that uh, was helping me out but I needed to be more creative and since then I've also branched back into my hobby of photography which is helping me fulfill that creative need as well yeah that's I, I awesome. feel like I just needed to be a bit more balanced in life like I, my my life was yeah. OT and training and that was Sleep. pretty much all I had <laughs> well even that was suffering because of that's all I had yeah. was the, the other two so I I just wanted to I guess, branch out and have a few more varied interests. So things like mindfulness meditation, um, I tapped into minimalism, which helped massively.
0: I really you- liked what you said about like being outside and feeling the sun. So if anyone is listening and they feel like they're struggling and mm. they don't know what to do, those little moments where you light a candle and you feel the heat from the flame or you pour a cup of coffee and you... F- You can see the steam rising from the cup um, or when you feel the sun on your face outside, those moments, that's mindfulness. When you sit there with that for a moment, there are ways that you can help yourself. So if you're listening to this and you're like, I don't even know where to start, light a candle, do something that you can just sit with for a moment and embrace that moment
1: yeah I think when I when I was at like when I very very first started um trying to sort of I guess pull myself out of that hole uh I I'm a firm believer in setting yourself up for success so I tried to set the absolute bare minimum goals that I knew that I could do um so I had I think it was four or five I had five things I think that I wanted to do every day and one of them that was when I was trialing journaling so I wanted to journal f- once a day which was, it could it be one sentence it could be a page it could be whatever I wanted I just wanted to journal once a day I wanted to sit in the, I had to sit outside in the well here it was summer so you probably can't really sit in the sun because you get burnt but sit outside for I think it was five minutes um without a phone like no screen no nothing just sitting outside looking drink two liters of water what was the other (laughs) I had a morning routine which I don't necessarily have anymore um, which include oh so one of my things was meditation but I'd also included meditation uh, into a morning routine but I would do that first thing in the morning that was part of my morning routine I would make a coffee I would watch the news for half an hour just to sort of you know feel normal i would try and do normal things but i had to yeah. structure them so that they they definitely got done
0: yeah um but yeah wow. that's how i
1: that's how i started just five tiny little things uh, and that you I dug yourself out do. of this hole yeah and I, it doesn't happen instantly but like no i think even after well, i reckon probably one to two weeks i was starting to feel more human <laughs> i was starting to feel better
0: that's wonder- that Those are all really good suggestions that I am going to write down. It sounds like you really took control of your situation. Did you use any professional help like a therapist or a counselor?
1: No, uh, which is probably okay. – I'm, I'm not opposed to it. I have um, right. sp- spoken to people since about different things. Um, yeah. But it was something that I, I never – once I realized what was going on, I never had a doubt that i what you
0: needed to do that i
1: had yeah i had the skill set to do it it was just a matter of the trial and error right. and finding what works awesome. so i knew how to do it and i knew what to do it was just it took me ages the, the biggest thing was taking me <laughs> so long to actually recognize like hey like you're not in a good space you need to do something about it once i'd done that once i'd had that light bulb moment um like yeah i was completely confident in my skill set to be able to do that but again if it I tried everything and nothing had worked, 100% I would have been going to see someone because I'm like, I've tried everything I can think of. Let's get an external yeah. Uh, yeah. eye on this situation. So
0: Well, you are just a great example of like a success story with <laughs> burnout and then, and then feeling like you can do your job and have a life and have that work-life balance. Um, okay, so... You have this podcast that I think is like very OT focused and clinical, (laughs) but but you say, you say it's not, you say it's conversational, but if there are OTs listening in the States, I just really want to say like, check out the occupied podcast with Brock. Um, and if people just really like your personality or want to connect with you further or ask questions, how can they find you?
1: Uh I'm pretty easy to find. Uh occupied dot com uh has the podcast, it has all of the socials. Um, everything is there, occupiedpodcast.com. Pretty easy to find.
0: Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for being here today and spending time. There's a huge time difference and we totally goofed up our times, <laughs> but so we like made it happen. Make it work. Um, and listeners, you guys know what to do. If you want to get a hold of me, I'm at Dose of Support on Instagram in our private Facebook group. We've got a Patreon. If you would like to submit questions or support the show further, you can find our website and submit your own story via Our survey link. And there's just so many ways. You can email me at hello at doseofsupport.com. If you're really enjoying the show, I need you to give me a rating or review. And I hope you enjoyed this. And Brock, thanks for being
1: here. Absolute pleasure.
0: Yeah. All right. So we will see you guys next week. Every role in healthcare is important and these experiences matter. We'll be back next week with a brand new guest and a whole different story. Until then, make connections, you guys. Give each other a dose of support. Dose of Support is written, produced, and edited by me, Vanessa Casper, with exclusive music by Rafael Siqueira. Don't forget to rate the show, write a review, and leave feedback wherever you listen. I'm punching out until next week, where we try to find some self-care in healthcare once again.